All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I've had a little small hiatus, but we're back here. Terry Lynn, Travis Marziani. Travis, how's it going, man? Good. So I, I think this episode is just going to be a lot of different updates. So I'll start it off with an update. And I think I might have already mentioned this on the show, uh, but this is actually a really big deal to me. I'm finally, I have my own apartment. I'm settled into Santa Monica. I think last time I might have been subleasing an apartment while I was looking for one. I've got my own place. I got it all set up and I love it down here. It's nice to finally have a home and not constantly be moving around. So this is your own lease or what's the deal? Sorry, say that again. It's like your own lease you signed or. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a one year lease and then it goes month to month after that. It's a, I got a one bedroom apartment. It's, you know, it's, it's special to me. It's nothing super amazing, but it's kind of nice. Like I said, just to have a home base. It's like on your own two feet type of thing feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm starting uh, for anybody in the LA or Southern California area. I'm really starting to do a lot of meetups. I'm hosting a lot of different meetup events. Definitely reach out if you're in Southern California, Travis at buildmyonlinestore.com. But I also actually, that's another thing that I'm really excited about. I'm getting a bunch of my e-commerce friends together and we're renting an apartment, an Airbnb in San Diego. So if you're in LA or if you're in San Diego, if you're interested in coming, I think the minimum revenue threshold is going to be right around a million dollars to come. But even if you don't meet that requirement, send me a message. We're going to be having dinner, I'm sure, in down in San Diego. We're going to be doing a bunch of fun events like that. So I'm looking to get that booked in the next few days or, or next week at some point. Yeah, cool. All right. So for me with the blanket store, uh, I've been figuring out the packaging. Uh, sounds kind of simple, but it's actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. So basically the current one my supplier gives me is like a drawstring bag but i can't use that to ship it in a crate just because the blanket might fall out so stuff might get in it's just not ideal to like move across continents so basically i had to look for a new poly bag supplier uh, to put shirts in, and i had to go through all the different sizes different samples and the first two sizes i got were too small so i had to like wait another week to get the turnaround it was just basically getting like 500 bags looking for this is kind of a put me on a waldo search in the city since a lot of the stuff is not made here in vietnam a lot of the poly bags are made in china and then they're brought in so just because there's no capacity to actually make it here uh, in the factory so now that the bags are set i got the labels done i got to send these all to the factory have them repackage it uh sew the labels on the blankets and then take it to the forwarder on the port and then bring it to the u.s and all that stuff so i think right now they're on time to go on the boat around early october uh, if everything goes well here uh knock on wood uh, and then they'll be out by you know early december uh if no delays so oh is it still going to come in a drawstring brat bag inside of a poly bag or no, how it'll that come work? inside a poly bag inside a box Okay. Yeah, because because the, the poly bag was a draw. It was like a cylinder shaped, and I guess it took up more space than if you fold it flat. So I had to like look into that too, because if you're shipping something that's like a more rectangle, cubish rather than something flat, uh, that's you know it doesn't take as much volume. At least the volume wise, it's easier to kind of put in a truck, I guess. So uh, there's something there too. So. So how have sales changed since the Kickstarters? Because it's been done for a little while now, right? Yeah, so I, I guess like the traffic kind of dropped off after Kickstarter. Like right now it's doing like, you know, 200, 300 bucks a month. Like it's not a whole lot at all, but uh, at least it's kind of pays for itself with all the blankets. So I got to figure out some more tra- traffic strategies. Like there's only 30 to 40 visitors a day. Uh, whereas before it was getting like, I think 80 to 120 on Kickstarter or something like that. So I think I had to figure that out uh, with some like cross promotions on Instagram and some stuff like that. 
So right now, when people buy it on on your site, they know that it's still it's not going to be shipped. Yeah, for I, a I few say weeks. very clearly that it's not shipping until early December. Like you know, right under the add to cart, like you see that. And after they order, that, I email them just to like confirm that hey, just to let you know, this is a pre order and it'll go out. You know, it's on a boat soon. We gotta warehouse it a little bit and then it'll go. But I think most of them are, don't really care, I guess, because it's more like the idea that some animal's gonna get it. I feel like is what they care about. And so how are you doing that as far as like knowing what order quantities, because let's say you sold 500 worth on Kickstarter and now you get people kind of slowly trickling in buying more. Does that screw it up for you? I guess. No. Well, it's enough that if I sell out of my current 500 units, I can put it in another order for a new one. Uh, So even if it sells out, it's not like a huge deal. It's just, I just got to tell people, Hey, we're back ordered and stuff like that. So um, I it's like, kind of like a small ramp up, which kind of sucks, I guess, because it's like you're snowballing something that's starting from the top of the mountain and, you know, we'll see how this goes. Right. Okay. So do you think you're going to stick with this? Like even after you ship, like ship it out, ship out everything or after everything shipped out, you think you're going to yeah, close so, cause, it? Because my friend that's warehousing for me, he is not charging me any storage fees. So there's really no reason not to keep doing this. And I feel like it's momentum wise, it's it's kind of picking up slowly. So, you know, we'll see in like holiday season yeah. too. I, I think Christmas will be a good gauge of, you know, how this goes, I guess. Yeah, I think I, I only, I think I only ordered one. Now I'm kind of wishing I would have ordered two. That actually would probably would have been a great gift. I might have to go to the website and order another yeah, one soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think we'll see how that, and so I'm trying to do some Pinterest stuff, whereas like everything I post on Instagram goes on Pinterest too, just to like have some extra, reach but i still got to figure it out there's like about like five thousand four hundred followers on there i got to figure out something there uh, to get it working too but i tried doing pinterest ads but i can't enter my credit card so i might have you do that for me all right because i I think i I think they check by my ip address they know i'm not in the u.s and i tried a vpn it didn't work too so i don't know if it's my my card or they just know that i'm not here so i'll probably like send you my info and have you enter it for me later all right sounds fair Alrighty, so update number two with you. Uh, you're kind of going in a lot of different directions. You wrote here in the notes, so what's the deal with that? Yeah, so my, my later updates will be a little bit more tactical. I guess this is another kind of high leverage thing. Uh, me and Terry were just kind of talking before the podcast, or we were talking before the podcast, and I, I told you that, yeah, I'm going in a lot of different directions, and we said, save it, we'll talk about it during the show. So I think this is probably something that a lot of people listening also struggle with. I'm, I think it's kind of the curse of the entrepreneur. But I've recently, I have B-Dancewear, which is still my main company. Um, I've been working a lot with effective e-commerce, doing the YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, I had the you know course come out recently about like Facebook ads. So I'm working on that. So that's like three things already. Uh, plus, I've been doing some consulting work. I actually got hired by... Funny, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Terry, or talked about it on the podcast, but somebody that has bought a decent amount of stuff from B Dancewear was talking with my mom and said, base, or you know, my mom's like, oh, I had to tell my son who is in charge of all the marketing and everything to slow down because we were growing too fastly. And this other business owner, not surprisingly, was like, hey, can you give me his number? Like, I'd love to hire him and help our business grow. So what so do they I've sell? Been, they sell, it's funny enough, it's somewhat similar. Uh, they have two different sites, but one of the sites is, it's it's basically clothes, clothes for gyms, um, and it's like white label clothing for gyms. So I, I'm working on spotlight marketing with them, and that's been going decently, so I'm also working on 
uh, a bunch of things. I mean, I'm probably working 30, 40 hours a month with them, which, you know, that's 30, 40 hours isn't an insane amount, but it's, it's enough to definitely make an impact on my weekly number of uh, directions I go in. And it's kind of nice. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't, I'm not cheap when it comes to consulting. So I'm, I'm making a decent amount of money from that. And when Santa Monica is expensive, so it's nice to have that thing on the side to kind of cushion that. And that's why I've been doing it. Yeah. And I've been doing it because I mean, the consulting gig pays for my expenses for the most part. And then B dancewear is a nice little bonus as well. But, um, it's just, it's that side gig of making money. So those are the big directions. I feel like there's one or two other things I'm also doing at the same time. And part of me is trying to figure out, do I want to, uh, you know, I, I have my own, the, the how to do your twenties podcast. I still do that from wow. time to time. Um, and so it's just like, all right, I kind of need to eliminate some things and focus, but it's hard to let go. Like the easiest thing to, to eliminate is the how to do your twenties podcast, but I kind of enjoy it. It's like half enjoyment, half work. That's just like a fun thing, I guess, right? Because it's good. Oh, like in terms of like relevance to like say beat answer, you're consulting. Oh, 100%. You know. Like, I mean, I spend very little time on that, but it's like one little, um, like I have three episodes that I need to release and I've been like kind of like, it, it rattles around in the back of my head. So it's like all these different little things that are kind of like rattling around in the back of my head of like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to do this. And uh, it's just... That's, a, I guess, a big update for me is that I've been all these different directions and I'm trying to pare down what is actually important to me. Yeah, because for me, I still do some consulting, but I find that it's nice because like with the new store, this stuff just doesn't really change overnight. Like it takes like, you know, a couple of weeks or anything to happen or like a month, I guess. Right. Uh, at the pace I can do in that too, since it's only like two months old, three months old. So it's kind of nice to have that other thing to work on too, where you can see, oh, let's try this and then two weeks later you see this go up or like this goes down inside right. of that too, which kind of brings me into the next update. Cause, um, I've been trying some Facebook video ads, um, for fun. Uh, so I guess I saw a guide on this in the thread in the DC where a guy was using this to fill the top of the funnel. So basically, uh, as you know, Facebook right now is trying to compete with YouTube for video views. So what they're doing is they're, um, really boosting video ads and video content, especially if they're natively uploaded. Whereas, like, if you, you know, copy a YouTube link, um, they've said the reach isn't as big. So, uh, basically, we tested this out on a video and uh, really cheap views, you know, average one cent to two cent per view, um, mostly one cent. I tried on my own account for the blankets. I was getting, like, 0. 0.0 half a cent, it was like 0.007 cents per view uh, at $5 a day. So, it was getting, like, I, I don't know what the math is there, but it was, it was pretty impressive, too. So, um, the only thing that I found with video ads is like no one really buys right away, which is you know pretty normal because you don't watch an ad and then just stop what you're doing and go buy something. Right? Like I think it's a very rare thing to do. So a lot of people were saying this is like a top of the funnel thing where then you can build a retargeting audience with people that watch either 25%, 50%, or 90% of your video, and then you sell them. You know, you give them another ad that's lower in the funnel, uh, either like a retargeting ad or a product ad, and then get them to your site. Whereas like a ad is very top of the level super, super high up there that probably won't convert right away. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, it scares me doing that kind of stuff though. Yeah. Just because like when I do product listing ads, for instance, I see I spent $500 and I made $2,000. It's like, yeah. okay, that works. This top of the funnel stuff. Yeah, well, well I guess let me explain that. So, like, so the first sure. thing we did with the stores that we did uh, retargeting funnel first where it was converting, like, like every $1 we spend, it probably brings in like four. 
which isn't too much, but at least we know that if we dump more people on top, uh, there's some insurance on the lower level. Given that in the middle, nothing is too out of the whack. Like if there's like super low click-through rate, super low, you know, site visit rate, like maybe that would reevaluate. But right now, it's like all right, it's actually kind of still converting at the lower end on retargeting. So let's just keep dumping money into like getting more views too. So I guess like you don't just like target blanketly. You want to have some kind of insurance lower in the funnel too before kind of going you know crazy with one cent, half a cent views of video ads. Right. Okay. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. I mean retargeting works very well with Facebook ads. So I guess if you can get more people to retarget, that's good. Yeah. And and then we'll know that. All right. Our retargeting average cost is going up a little bit. So maybe we need to tone down the video ads. Or if it's actually still working, then why not just keep running it? Essentially. Right. So yeah. Already uh, update number three with you. What's up with B Dancewear? Yeah, so I mean, despite uh, I haven't been working a ton on B Dancewear really this year, to be quite honest. I mean, I've I've been doing things in a actually I should say I've been doing things differently. I we hired somebody that was going to be in charge of marketing. Uh, I think two or three months ago, which was great. It's one of the best things I've done uh, because she handles all the things that like I just never had time to get around to. So actually, I'll talk about some of the things that she's been doing. One of the things we haven't been up until I hired her, we did not have a Snapchat account. I didn't know what to do with it. Then I finally realized that I don't need to do anything with Snapchat. We could just do Snapchat takeovers. So it kind of adds into spotlight marketing in a sense where, all right, um, we interview a dance studio and we say, hey, that was a great interview. Thank you so much. By the way, do you want to take over our Snapchat? And to them, that's a pretty big honor because you know, they don't know how at that, at the, at least when they say that they don't know how big our Snapchat following is. Plus it's pretty easy to do Snapchat and it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's so, a very low like production thing. It's like, just like, I'll just do whatever. And then that's cause, cause it's native to that platform. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it gives them a chance to brag about their studio and it makes it fun for the people dancing at the studio. So imagine let's, uh, let's imagine if you're a dance studio owner and we offer you to take over our Snapchat. Well, that's already pretty cool. Obviously you're going to be, you're going to know who our, what our brand is. You're going to know a little bit about us, but then everybody that walks through, you're going to be like, Hey, we're taking over B dance Snapchat for the day. Um, we're going to do a video on of you guys stretching or a video of you guys doing your best dance moves. Uh, so then that's how they get followers to your Snapchat account. And then exactly. Gotcha. So what's your snap score now on that account? I'm curious. It, I, I'm not sure. I, I know how many followers we have or how many views like our videos are getting. Yeah. I don't know. What's, how much is that? about do you know last last it's not super huge last i checked it was like 150. Well, that's pretty good um, i mean i, mean, I mean, thing is like snapchat if people follow you i think like 90 percent of the people watch all your stuff so it's, it's like a super high quality like attention thing especially for like yeah. teenagers now yeah and i mean keep in mind a month and a half ago or two months or whatever it was we didn't even have a snapchat account so um i'm i'm not i'm happy with where that is that is obviously i want it to be higher in time and I think it will be, but I, I really think the value is going to be in connecting with people. Same thing yeah. with influencers and our dancers of the month. We allow them to take over our Snapchat for the day. Oh, that's uh, cool. I think, yeah. And do, okay, so you guys let people use your account basically and they're kind of user generating content for your account too. Yeah. And oh, so here's another little thing that I think is kind of interesting. We download that at the end of the day and we're going to post those to YouTube as well. So uh, it's going to yeah. be like, so, so you take the stories and then, uh, you publish that on, you combine it into a YouTube video and then you post it online. 
And another little wrinkle is uh, we weren't doing this at the beginning, but we're starting to do this now is we're going to ask everybody to do three things. So like show us your favorite uh, dance move, show us your favorite, what's your favorite dance tip and what's, you know, um, your advice for dancers. So then what we'll do is eventually we'll have 10 of those and we'll splice. All right. Top 10, uh, our top 10 advice or tips for dancers. Uh, and then you can have different repurposed stuff based on the responses that they have. Yeah, exactly. So I think that can be, that's just a lot of content for us. Plus yeah. it's, I mean, it's creating connections and content, which is what I love when it's, you know, multi-purpose and it's, it's super easy to do. It's all we have to do is download and splice and we can upload a video. Yeah, I might try the Snapchat ticket. You can do that on Instagram now too, because uh, right. you can actually upload images on your camera roll within the last 24 hours. So if you're, like, if you're going to do a takeover, I can send you an image like, hey, Travis is taking over my account, send you the image and you can post it to your story without actually like taking a photo of it. It's actually a lot less kind of hassle, I guess. But it'd be interesting to see how both the platforms compete with the same like kind of live slash uh, unpolished video uh, right. realm too. So we'll see about that. And so uh, another thing you have mentioned here is DIY Pinterest pins. What's that? Yeah, I've talked about this in the past a little bit. Like I, I, we're putting more emphasis on, so this is another thing that the person I hired, our, my marketing assistant is really starting to take over is we're getting probably about like five to 600 people or we, we're getting at least six to 700 now, but we were getting like five to 600 people a, mo a month, sorry, not a day, a month coming to our website through our DIY Pinterest pins. And I thought that was cool, but like, I just didn't want to sit down and actually have to make them. So she's been doing that. And I think that's going to be really big for us because we get about a 3.5% uh, conversion rate as far as it comes from emails. So of everyone that clicks like 3.5% of them actually will give us the email and I have a really crappy landing page. Well, yeah, I mean, basically what happens is there's the DIY Pinterest pin, how to ruche your skirt or whatever thing it is. They click on it and then it goes to the website. On our, on our website, we have a video they can watch. I mean, it's all about getting people familiar with a brand and trying to create that like authority. Yeah. So that's been good for us. And the other thing, the last thing that I'm finally doing is using Instagress. Yeah. Um, I was a long time person saying like, nah, I don't know. I'm scared that my account's going to get banned, but it's, it's just easy way to get followers. So I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. What are you at now? Uh, 2,500. Nice. Still pretty small. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at like, I look at you and another friend of mine who has like 10,000 plus followers on Instagram. And even though my company is doing like we're going to, uh, we're going to do a decent amount, like hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue. Our Instagram following was still shit. So it's yeah. like now it's time to get serious. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, it's another top of the funnel thing that's, you know, you may or may not need to do depending on what type of product you sell too, in some ways. So, and I think Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, like social media in general with our kind of fluffy dance clothing is probably pretty important. Yeah, it's and just especially like yeah, it's like dog and cat stuff, animals and social media video is like a guaranteed it's like a right. match almost. Like you wouldn't blog about write about animals because it's like a visual creature that, you know, you think is very cute or people love, right? So right. I think the same with dance costume. People what do they look like in a dance costume? Do they look graceful, you know, elegant when they're moving, all this kind of stuff too. So versus say B two B engines or something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think dan and people that are dancers, they have a lot of love for that and they like following, you know, 
Instagram accounts that show a lot of dancers. So it's, it's a, it's a good match for yeah, sure. It's like, it's like uh, validating the identity in your head, the story that you're a dancer or animal lover. And it reinforces that belief. Now, t- Terry, I got a question for you actually. With Pinterest, is there a tool that you've used or that you've heard of that works as well as Instagram for uh, getting there was one, followers? I think called, was it called Likerbot or something like that. I don't really know. But I found that Pinterest, I found like Pinterest, the auto follow, you have a lot more spam than Instagram for some reason. Mm. Um, and I just haven't really figured it out yet. But I think there's some people that are doing promoted prints pretty well, but I just don't have it figured out yet either. It's still like really new to me. Yeah, I was doing promoted pins and getting decent results, but well, decent results. I was getting a lot of people to my website, but nobody was buying. Yeah. So I kind of had mixed feelings about that. Maybe I'll try it again. Yeah, I think think their ad platform is really new, so they're trying to improve it every quarter or so, but... Right. Um, I feel like right now, you know, it's still worth learning. It's just because like animal stuff works on Pinterest too, right? Or like clothing stuff. It's just a given yeah. demographic is there too. This is like, how do you crack this code? It's right. Like I'm trying to figure it out too. Yeah. All right. So number, me, number three for me, uh, kind of similar to Facebook ads, uh, doing also YouTube video ads for them the store. So we're just, we just started this like last week and it's kind of just dabbling our feet in there. So the cool thing, I guess, is like the targeting options I was learning. You could target. Like someone can run an ad on your channel and there's nothing you can do about it. Do you know that? Or like I can target specific videos on your channel or your playlist with my own keywords and negative keywords to like get a really targeted kind of ad audience. I thought that was kind of cool, but also kind of weird too. Cause you could search weird. by video link in YouTube, like Gangnam Style, I can run, choose to run ads on that if my bid's high enough too. It's, like, but, you know, it's kind of cool as an advertiser, but as a content creator, it's like, oh. Like, that kind well, of so I. I don't monetize our videos for B Dancewear specifically yeah. for that reason. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you can't run ads on my videos, but you know maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Exactly. Yeah. I think because um, yeah, there's like two types. Right? There's ones like the discovery, which is uh, search results. Like if you search, if you like search a few keywords now on YouTube, sometimes you'll see like a paid ad, like PPC ad. And right. I think that, I don't know if you can control that, but definitely in stream, you can like choose not to. It's basically, it's like the ones that pop up before the video starts. So like halfway through 10 minutes in, like that are like really annoying that people right. skip. So like we try doing in stream and then I turn it off and a day goes like, no, I was like, no, this is stupid. Like, cause I don't watch in stream ads. I think 99.99% of the people on YouTube don't watch in stream ads either. So let's just try discovery and uh, see what happens. Cause then in discovery, you can target the keywords, negative keywords, all that stuff too. But I found that, Starting yeah. out, it was just super general. Like, I guess like the match type was really bad because I didn't specify. I thought like, oh, okay, we'll just target four channels and see how this goes. And it turns out it was like all this random stuff. Like, like there was like Hillary seizure was a ranking term for some reason. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? This is a this has nothing to do with what we're doing. It's like we're like a sports goods, you know, store. I was like, I had to like go in and clean that up uh, yesterday That's too. Funny. So, but I think like YouTube, a lot of people go there looking for like product reviews, right? Like product yeah, review videos, right? So like if you make one on your own and then you boost that, like that might be a kind of good way to kind of get some more views. It's just kind of my first impressions too. And I think like a lot of the times too, it's like if your video looks too polished, people know it's an ad. You know how like mm-hmm. YouTube has that kind of like kind of YouTube feel? And I was, I was we were trying to test um, some well, cele- celebrities like just doing a smartphone video to see if that kind of gets more engagement versus some super polished, you know, slow motion type of thing i feel like i feel like youtube's getting more polished though like there's a lot of channels that i watch that are very polished yeah but when it comes to like saying like a nike commercial like that's like tv polish Uh, yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, but I, I mean, we'll see. That. I don't. This is. We've only been dabbling this for like a week and a half, so still uh, a lot of stuff to learn. Hmm. So is this with one of the, your consulting clients? Yeah. Or? Yeah, it's the one um, that we do sports gear for. Yeah, I mean, you know who he is, but I don't want to say his story because okay. then everyone will be like, "Oh, let's start stalking him." And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to talk about his story on the podcast. Dude. I don't think he would like me doing that. Nope, absolutely fine. Yeah. Alrighty, so number four, uh, you had hired an assistant and uh, also fired her. So what's the deal with this? Yeah, I, I almost wonder if this should have been my first update just because I think this is probably one of the more interesting of the updates that I have. Um, about three weeks ago, probably. Yeah, three. I, I recently hired an in-person assistant because, you know, I work from home. Um, th there's a multitude of reasons why I hired someone. One, I wanted an English-based person that I could be next to or be in the same physical space with. That way, anytime I need to get something done, I don't have to like make a video and I don't have to what you know do whatever. I can just be like, hey, get this done, you know, whatever, do it now. And I put in, so I, I can talk. I, I would, I think. The next episode, we should do a, a whole episode on this. Me and Terry have already kind of talked about this. So I'm, I'm teasing. The next episode, we might do a little hiring and firing people. But anyways, I put an ad in Craigslist. I I had some logic behind it. Basically, I wanted someone to respond. And they had to change the subject line and write like a paragraph of why they want to work for me. Uh, I didn't get a lot of good applicants. And this person applied. Her paragraph was pretty decent of why she wanted to work for me. She didn't change the subject line, but she was the best of the people that applied. Because um, when I interview people, that's another thing. Man, people are really bad at interviewing. I asked one person, I'm like, well, so tell me, why do you want this job? And they're like, well, you know, I really, I want money. And I'm like, uh, that's not, yeah. if you, like if you're not, if, if you're not smart enough to figure out that's not the right answer to this, it's like, no, of course you want money. Like that's why everybody ever gets a job, but you're supposed to tell me why you want this specific maybe, job. Maybe it's because you're looking on Craigslist. I just gotta throw that out there. <laughs> but where am I supposed to look, you know? Like, like I'm, I'm looking at. Oh, you're looking yeah. for in person in LA. Yeah. No, you so could, I'm, I'm. I would ask I'm like co-working spaces. Um, well, the problem is, I mean, I'm not looking to pay someone a salary. I'm looking to pay someone ten to twelve dollars an hour. Where and that's where it gets tough. And we've hired so yeah. In, with yeah with B Dancewear, we've hired a number of different people that are all pretty qualified. I will say though. I'm probably not the easiest person to work with because I have high standards for myself and others. I, that's probably true. But anyways, I ended up having to let her go. I'm wondering if I shouldn't get into details about it, but probably not, uh, it's but just overall, I overall, I, I, yeah, I, I will say this. If you're um, getting a job, do not call in sick twice within the first two weeks on two separate days. Like that's a big red flag. Uh, professional professionalism, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I learned a lot of lessons. One of the things I'll, I'll say really quickly is go with your gut. Like if you if you're hiring someone and they would not be, you would not have them be part of your tribe, then do not hire them. Like if if you were stranded on a desert island with or not stranded, let's say there was a thousand people on a desert island and you had to pick teams of who's going to be within your core group of people. If that person does not make the cut, they should not. You should not pay them yeah. to be a part. So back in it. the day when I was at a bank, I would have to hire ten interns every summer for like two weeks, and within like thirty seconds, I would know if they were a good match. 
And then right. the next 10 minutes would be like, all right, how validated is my initial gut feeling? And usually yeah. it was like 80, 90% right. And, that, and then I would also ask the receptionist after they leave, like, all right, what were they like when they walked in? Were they respectful to you? Like, or what, what did you feel about them? And then we were usually right, like, you know, like 80% of the time too. I think, so I think like the gut feeling, like sometimes you want to second guess that, but usually it's, there's a reason it's called the gut feeling because I don't yeah. know why, but it's usually kind of work sometimes too. It does. So I ended up having to let her go and I hired two Filipino virtual assistants and it cost about a third as much as it, it costs to have this in-person American assistant. So I'm just, I'll say this, uh, we're kind of uh, American, Americans definitely have a sense of entitlement and I did too. I think at, you know, when I was younger and I was trying to get a job, I felt like I was, des- I, the world owed me. Like, what do you mean? I have a college degree. I should be able to get a job anywhere. Like what? It's a special, yeah, special it, snowflake syndrome, right? Yeah. And I think uh, I'm realizing now as a business owner, you know what? I don't really care if you're an American or you're someone in the Philippines, you're a human. And if you work harder, like if a Filipino worker works harder for me than an American and costs a fifth of the price, it's a really easy decision. Like, you know, I, I'm all about, sure, I'd love to support American labor. The truth is though, by having a Filipino virtual assistant, I'm able to grow my business and hire more in-person. I mean, you know, obviously 95% of my company is in, in-person Americans, so. Yeah, well, I think that stuff goes only so far too, where like, say you're like getting to like, you know, like hardcore web design, like you just can't have a, you know, someone in Southeast Asia or like someone do that. Like you need like someone super qualified and I feel like there's a ceiling for all like the cheap stuff that like, sure. your, like your system can push it to the next limit. But if you need like some, like a complete revamp of a whole site, like if you have some VA do, it's going to be ugly and it's going to be so bad because, oh, yeah. you know, they don't know like typography, you know, the grid, the, like some of the basic stuff like that too. So, though a lot of that you still can find like a lot of advanced level video editing, you can find people um, in other countries, but I, I, I yeah. get your but point. But I feel like there's I also agree. the level of taste that you just don't get being True. in that kind of area that, you know, I mean, it may not be for every business, but some people, like like a Dollar Shave Club would not go to the Philippines and make their website. It just doesn't make any sense. Right? I mean, not that you know. But here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. They might hire some company, you're right, yeah. but that company might have some people in the Philippines. That's true, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yep, but... But anyways, that's a different topic too. So. <laughs> okay, last one for me, Instagram. Uh, my forever home blankets at 18.5. Uh, it's me, Terry Lynn, 14.2. So I need to start looking into collaborations with other accounts. I think Instagram is getting a, hitting a ceiling for me too. So they each grow at like 900 followers every month. And I feel like it's not really moving the needle uh, at all since post Kickstarter. So I got to figure out some new ways to like make use of these 30,000 followers so far. And so the good thing is that I still post... Uh, twice a day using grum.co and each photo now gets about like 450 likes and like wow. eight comments which is like pretty decent engagement so it's like all right how do i turn this into more and stuff like that too so that's why i'm trying to figure out what the next level of that is wow yeah that's pretty good see this is why i'm I, I, it's crazy to me that you have such a big instagram following and my company has like such a tiny one i know yeah well, well i think a lot of the times when i first started it was just wasn't this was like low quality followers now i'm trying to find a f- better way to filter out the low quality people and not get them to follow me which is which is kind of hard because you can't tell people hey just unfollow me you already have them following you so it's like you gotta like nudge why is that bad though i mean isn't the more I mean, who cares yeah, right? I like, guess, but it's like 
you don't want to have like you know twenty thousand people with only a hundred likes. Like that's really bad, right? You want to have like twenty thousand people oh. and like somewhere around like eight hundred likes. You know, so six hundred ish. Life but isn't change. it well okay so let me let me flip that question what isn't it better to have 20,000 people following you and only 100 likes than 5,000 people following you and only 100 likes uh no because they no. Get, that's a lower engagement rate right 20,000 to 100 is lower than 5,000 oh. to 100 because I've seen some accounts like 10 percent okay. like some rescue accounts have like 10,000 people and each photo has like a thousand likes and that's like super super high wow crazy too yeah. like like you would need an account with like 40 50 000 to get that level of likes too so like i think a lot of it's just like getting the quality followers there'll be a quality followers that would buy and a b quality followers that would actually interact with your stuff and not just follow you and never log into instagram again right because what are what's the point of getting those people and maybe they'll check once in a while but it's, it's not like the hardcore people that'll tag their friends you know and keep liking your stuff so that it keeps improving your reach too so that's what i'm yeah. trying to figure out next yeah all right Alrighty, keep me, keep good me to updated. catch up yeah. uh yeah so next episode we'll talk about a little bit more in depth on hiring staff um i think but i think we have to be careful with what we say just because it's hr related and we don't really know the rules i guess but i think you know, so no one from the irs even if we don't do mention that. names you think you think that's the case I mean, we should anonymize it into like fables i guess something like that okay so deal we'll, i, I we'll, agree we'll figure that out uh, offline so uh yeah good to catch up again and i'll see you guys in two weeks